0: So um so I'm going to explain for those of you who don't know um, what those two words mean so circumcision means to cut off a part of a man's penis and castration means to cut off the entire penis so it's it's something that most people would not want to do and Paul is talking about people who are being persuaded that they should and so um, that's what we're going to be looking at here in our lesson today now, um, people sometimes, when, when things are unpleasant or or uh, make us kind of nervous or make us uh, wince, sometimes we make jokes about it. And I saw a joke this week. So there's a Christian satire site called the Babylon Bee. And they really do all kinds of uh, social commentary. But I particularly like their Christian uh, commentary. They um, They have this imaginary news story that says, Circumcised Galatians really wishing the letter from Paul had come sooner. So... Uh, The, the idea is that the letter arrived, but it was too late for some of those, um, Galatians. So, because in the letter, Paul says, Paul says, um, don't get circumcised. Paul is saying, I know that they've been telling you to get circumcised, but don't do that. So that's, that's what, um, Paul is, uh, saying in the letter. And, and the, 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 this imaginary news story in the Babylon B suggests that people would say, you know, great. You know, I'm really happy to hear what Paul is telling me here, but, but, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I mean, uh, we, we, you know, we have to assume that yes, of course, they would be uh, happy to not do uh, circumcision. But on the other hand, you know, Paul is pretty serious. I mean, he's written this this book. It's it's a it's really a letter. It's six chapters long. I mean, you know, how often do you write a six chapter letter? So Paul is really concerned that they're going to do this. So so uh I, I don't know whether whether they were about ready to go through with this or whether whether Paul was just being, you know, overly dramatic. But but I'm not sure if they were as reluctant as the um the the this, you know, imaginary story makes it look. And the reason for that is I think a lot of us wonder what we can do to guarantee that God will take care of us. And so we're th- saying, if if there's a guarantee, if, if there's something I can do, if there's words I can say or behaviors I can carry out, if there's anything I can do that will guarantee that God will take care of me, then I want to do that thing. Uh, and the reason for that is that we basically aren't so sure about God. I mean, we can't even see God, Right. So, it's very hard to lean your life against someone you can't see. So, I think it's a natural thing for a lot of us to say, is there something I can do that will guarantee that God will take care of me? You know, is there, is there something I can do that will, that will force God to take care of me? And, and in the case of the, the Galatians, it was, it was this uh, decision about, uh, or this discussion about circumcision. And, um, for us today, you know, I don't think anyone's having that debate, but uh, we might be saying, you know, what if you don't go to church on Sunday? You know, if you go to church every Sunday, that will guarantee, you know, God owes you because you spent all those Sundays. I mean, a beautiful day like today, and you came to church, God owes me, right? There's this tendency to say, hey, I did this, therefore God must. I I, I am guaranteed because of what I did um, I'm guaranteed that God will take care of me, and I think that that's a natural tendency for us to look for ways to to guarantee God will do a particular thing. And Paul says in our letter today that that's a bad idea, not not because it, it will offend God and God will get angry and you know strike us down with lightning. That's not his concern. His concern is that God may say, "Okay, give it a whirl." That God may say, "You go ahead and do that, and see if see if what you're doing can force me to do anything. Is there anything you can do that will require me to respond in a particular way?" That's the danger that Paul says is is here. Not that God is going to strike you down, but that God will say, "All right, if you insist, go right ahead." So, so um, we have been in this um, uh, letter, looking at this letter. It's a it's a letter. Even though it's quite long, you know, for my letters, you know, I'm more of a postcard kind of person, but um, but it's 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 lengthy, and we have been in it for several weeks now. And in it, um, Paul has has talked about how the Galatians were being taught a bunch of things that he had not taught them. They were being taught that they should exclude certain people. That that there was two categories. You know, you get on the airplane, and there's the the big seats up in the front. And then there's the other seats the rest of us have in the back, right? That are really kind of cramped, right? Paul, Paul said, the church is not like that. That there were people who said, no, there's the first class Christians. They sit up in the front. And then there's the, the coach Christians, the ones who sit in the back with the little tiny seats. Paul said, no, that's not the way the church works. The church doesn't have first class and coach. The church has Christians. And so Paul said that. He said, he said um that uh the the problem with the or one of the problems with the galatians is they weren't listening to the spirit god had given them his holy spirit and when the spirit said something they wouldn't listen to him so so he said you you need to really start listening to the spirit and god said or, or paul said uh god spoke, we believe god inspired paul to say um in his letter that that their desire to, to find that thing that would guarantee God would take care of us. They were saying, some of them were saying, hey, if I obey the law, if I, if I obey, not, not the law we have, but the, the religious law that they had, if I obey that religious law, then, then God will, will take care of me. He's guaranteed to take care of me. And Paul said no, that, that the law is, is something that was designed for a period of time before the Messiah came. And right now, we're in the position of someone who was, um, who, who Moses led out of slavery in Egypt. And he said, if you go back to the law, that's like going back to slavery in Egypt. Instead, you want to go on to freedom in the land of promise. So, Paul's been saying these things. And here, in this letter, we find out what the issue is. Why has Paul been saying all these things? I mean, they're good things, but why? What is the issue? And the answer, as we find out, is, is circumcision. So, um, what I want to do is explore what Paul has to say, but I'm going to start at the end, um, partly because of the, the language there, um, at the end, which is very strong. Um, so I think most of us today wince at the thought of castration. Um, it's not something that any one of us want to lose a body part. And so I think we wince at it, but in the first century, people, they might have winced at this, but they would certainly have winced at the other word Paul uses at the end of this section, which is cross. He talks about the offense of the cross, and it was absolutely an offense that it was not a word people used in polite company. And Paul's used it, this is the third time already in this letter, and he's still going to use it three more times. So uh, for Paul, uh, the cross is very important and so he's not afraid of saying words that people kind of wince at. So, so Paul says um, uh, in verse twelve. So again, I'm working backwards. He says, "I wish the ones who are upsetting you would castrate themselves." Now, we don't see often in the New Testament anybody wish bodily harm on another person. Certainly not, you know, the the good guys, right? You know, the you know, we expect people like Paul to not be wishing. Um, Bodily harm on people. So people have tried to figure out, was Paul just having a bad day? And maybe he was. Other people say, you know, you know, Paul, or maybe not a bad day, but Paul is really, you know, trying to emphasize what he's, what he's communicating to them. Other people say, what Paul is doing is he's illustrating the absurdity of what they're doing by being absurd himself. That he's taking their argument to its absurd conclusion. He's saying, well, if you enjoy, you know, if you think that by cutting off a little part of your body will, will help, then um, why not cut the whole thing off, right? He's saying, don't be absurd that that's a dumb idea. So maybe that's what Paul's doing. Um, there's another theory, which is in this part of uh, Asia Minor, there was a, a pagan cult. It was actually native to this region, and it was the cult of Sibyl or Sibili. I don't know how to pronounce that word. So uh, she was a mother goddess, so is one of the many pagan gods that they that they, um, uh, idolized in that, um, in that area. And the priests of Sibyl would sometimes get into a big frenzy. They'd work themselves up into a frenzy and they would castrate themselves. So maybe what Paul is saying is, if you're going to do that, if you're going to, if you're going to circumcise yourself, you're no better off than the pagans that live around you. You might as well be one of them. You're making a big mistake here out of this religious fervor you've got going on. So Paul's saying, don't be like them. So uh, whatever whatever the reason Paul is saying, don't don't be like those people. I wish that they would do this. So so then he says verse um 11, brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being harassed? So if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being harassed? Now the word harassed, maybe Paul minute, just, you know, harassed, but, but the word is actually a very strong word. Um, and and I've been meaning to do this. So, so I I tell you often, you don't have to be a Greek scholar. You know, the beautiful thing about the era we live in is that you can study your Bible and, and get the benefit of hundreds of Bible translations today. There's a Bible study, there's a Bible site called Bible.cc. Another one called BibleGateway.com, and if you're ever reading your Bible and you're wondering what do they mean by that, you know what's that word mean, um, you can don't I mean you can look at the footnote, but the footnote is coming from the same position as the translators probably, right? The people who put that particular Bible together. Sometimes it's good to go look at a different Bible. And the beautiful thing about Bible.cc and BibleGateway.com is you can say. I want to just look at this one verse, and it will show you all the translations. So dozens and dozens of translations at a single click, right? You just get them all, and you can see um, it's too small to read. But uh, I did look um, as I do, um, and this word "harassed" really means persecute. So if we think about the story about Paul, you know, we know the stories in Second Corinthians. He talks about how he's been he's been stoned, he's been um, he's been a uh, uh, shipwrecked he's been beaten with rods he's been flogged in the temple or in in the synagogues uh, paul knows what it means to be harassed and he says he says why is that still happening see the 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 people in galatia had been told paul just gave you a different story paul was just trying to sell you kind of uh, a christianity light he was just kind of giving you the the soft version of christianity and you need the hard version and paul's saying look if i went around telling people Messiah has come and nothing is different. Just carry on the way you've always been going. If if I did that, then why are people persecuting me like I said Messiah has come, everything is different. Paul saying, just look at the fat, look at the lumps, <laughs> you know, look at the bruises and say that doesn't look like a guy who's saying everybody keep doing what you've been doing. He says, no. I've been saying because Messiah has come, everything is different. So he says, um, if I'm still pre- preaching circumcision, why am I still being harassed or persecuted? And then he says, in that case, the offense of the cross, and people would wince here, um, the offense of the cross would be canceled. What does he mean by that? Well, he means that, that um, the, 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 the Messiah has come, but the Messiah was executed on a cross. That that is offensive. It's offensive to Jews because, because they don't expect the Messiah to be crucified. And it's offensive to Romans because Paul is saying that this tool that the, the, you know, Gentiles generally, that this tool which is reserved for the lowest of the low is, is so badly administered that it can be administered to the highest of the high. So he's saying that they're doing their justice wrong because they, they crucified an honest man in fact the only really honest man so it's an offense to both Jews and Gentiles that this tool is not just to get rid of bad people and that the Messiah the the Messiah the one that God had promised would actually be executed so he says that's the offense of the cross and then uh, backing up a little bit in verse 7 he says he says you were running well who stopped you from obeying the truth you were doing great you were you know you know, I could have been writing letters to people. You should see how good the Galatians are doing, right? That's how good you were doing. But somebody stopped you from obeying the truth. Who who did that? And then in verse 10, he says, you know, I don't even care. Verse 10, um, but the one who is confusing you, you will pay the penalty, whoever that may be. I don't even care who it is. I don't care if it's a, some famous name we all know or if it's a nobody who's just traveling from town to town. I don't care who they are. They're wrong and the reason they're wrong is because this line of reasoning doesn't come from the one who calls you. This line of reasoning doesn't come from God. It's coming from some human source, so you can ignore it. He says, But I know a little yeast works through the whole lump of dough, right? The, the problem with ideas is they spread. They're contagious. One person gets a dumb idea, tells another person, and pretty soon everybody's, you know, doing that dumb thing. And Paul's saying, But I'm convinced about you and the Lord you won't think in any other way you're not going to you're going to be wise you're going to use your discernment you're not going to fall prey to this this way of thinking so that's the that's the second paragraph now backing up to the first paragraph paul says this he says i'm telling you if you have yourself circumcised having christ won't help you this is the real problem that you can have yourself circumcised, but instead of getting God, you know, to hand you an IOU and say you did it, here's my, you know, get out of jail free card, right? That's not what God's going to do. He's saying having Christ won't help you at all. And again, I swear to every man who has himself circumcised, he's required to do the whole law. So, so why might they do that? Well, in the um, all right. So in the in this culture at this time there were two categories of of um, all right so there's Jews and there's Gentiles which is anybody who's not a Jew among the Gentiles there were people who were um, interested in the Jewish religion that they, they said you know when I when I read the stories about my gods the 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 Greek or the Roman gods they're like a really bad soap opera and. Um, the best thing you can do with the gods that, that I worship is stay off their radar because only bad things happen to people who the gods get get um, start feeling angry about. So they hear what the Jews are saying about their God, and they say, I kind of like that God. I wish my gods were like that. And they become what's called a God-fearer. That means they are just like the Jews. They read the same scriptures. They do everything, but they don't get circumcised. So maybe somebody has come along and said, hey, you God-fearers, Go ahead. Now that you, now that Messiah's come, you better jump on the winning team, right? You better get yourself circumcised. So maybe it's God-fearers who are being told, go ahead and get circumcised. Finish the job of becoming a Jew. Maybe that's what happened. Or maybe it's pagans who just became, you know, former pagans who just became Christians. And they don't know what to do. But they do know this, that if you're a Jew, there's an exemption. You don't have to go down to the temple once a year and make an offering for Caesar. But if you're a Gentile, you do. Because the Gentiles said, one more God won't kill you, start worshiping Caesar too. And the Jews, they wouldn't have any, and basically for a hundred years, they were killed by the Romans, and eventually the Romans gave up and said, all right, fine, you don't have to do it. So maybe somebody has come along and said, look, just make them think you're a Jew. We know you're a Christian, but just... Get yourself circumcised, and then you won't have any persecution. They won't be telling you to, to come down and pay a tribute to Caesar. It'll just be so much easier for you if you become a Jew, if you start acting like a Jew, if you make a nod in the direction of Judaism. So maybe that's what they're doing. And Paul says, no, 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 no. If you get circumcised, you have to do the whole law. And this is something that we see all through the Hebrew Scriptures. God says over and over again, He says, the law is not for show that you should not just show up at the temple and say, look how holy I am. In, in the book of Isaiah, the prophet, we read this. What should I think about all your sacrifices? You come to the temple, make these sacrifices. I am fed up with entirely burned offerings of rams and fat of well-fed beasts. I don't want the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats. God says, don't make a show of religion for me. Right? Don't even try. Amos says, I hate, I reject your festivals. I don't enjoy your joyous assemblies. If you bring me entirely burnt offerings and gifts of food, I won't be pleased. I won't even look at your offerings of well-fed animals. So the prophets say over and over again, do not make a show of Torah. Do not obey a little bit of the law for show because it's, God's not pleased by that. So Paul says, Paul says, if someone has told you, you just have to obey a little bit of the law to get the authorities off your back, Don't believe them. If you're going to start obeying the law, you're required to obey the whole law. So he says, you people who are trying to be made righteous by the law have been estranged from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So what does that mean? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, it means you have no idea how hard it is to obey the law. What makes it hard? Well, there's 613 commandments. Do you know them all? 248 are dues. 365 are don'ts, and you have to obey them all perfectly. The rest of today, and also tomorrow, and then um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for the rest of your life, you have to obey all 613 commandments perfectly. And by obey, I mean obey the spirit of the law, not just the letter. Oh, and by the way, you've got to do it for all the days leading up to today, too. So everything in your past you have to obey the law. So he's saying you have no idea how hard it is to obey the law. Um, it, it is also a sign of ingratitude, right? It's saying, "Hey, I think you—you know—let let me help out a little bit, right? You know, you, you don't look like you can—you—you you, you can handle this. I'll help out, right? And you know that may be a nice thing if somebody invites you to a restaurant, and you know it's a. It's a big ticket and you say, alright, here, let, let me, let me cover the tip, okay? Let me at least get the tip. You might say something like that. That's a polite thing to do. But suppose instead somebody takes you on an all expense paid vacation, a world tour for, for, uh, three months. You're traveling around the world. You see all the great sites. They pick up the bill for the entire thing. And then in the last day, you're at a five star restaurant and they're picking up the tab for that too. And you say, here, let me get the tip. Right? That's, that's, at a certain point, being kind of courteous becomes an insult. It's like, look, what have we been doing for the last three months? I've been paying your bills. And on top of that, it's, it's even that doesn't really reveal the scale of the problem because Jesus didn't give us a vacation. Jesus gave us salvation. Jesus didn't, didn't, you know, do something that we can really help with. Jesus came from heaven to earth. Jesus came from, from earth to the cross, right? We can't help with that. There's nothing we can do. Here, let me cover this part, right? There's nothing we can do. So Paul's saying, we don't even know how how hard it is. We certainly don't realize how ungrateful we're being. And he says more than that, it betrays a lack of trust. If you think of the story of Genesis, right? What is the story? God says, hey, everything everything you can see, go crazy, have fun, right? Right? He says, "This one tree. Don't eat from the tree of the fruit. Uh, don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil." And the serpent comes along and says, "Hey, God's holding out on you. The really good stuff's on that tree. You better have some." And they distrust God. Paul's saying, "You're doing the same thing. You've heard the good news. God determined in His wisdom. This is the way to save the world. And you're saying." Uh, you know what, I better just hedge my bets. I better just have a backup plan, right? You are exactly, when you do that, you are exactly like Adam and Eve. You're saying, I don't trust God. He might have forgotten something. He may be just going to pull the rug out from underneath me, right? I don't trust God. And so Paul is saying, you are falling away from Christ. You are falling away just as Adam and Eve fell in the garden. You're falling away. You've been estranged. So the problem is misunderstanding how difficult it is, being ungrateful, and showing a lack of trust. So Paul says, okay, instead, instead, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness through the Spirit by faith. So big, complicated sentence. He says, this is what we're doing. We're not trying to solve the problem ourselves. We're waiting. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for the hope of righteousness. God has promised that we have been set right with him. That we don't have to do something to, to make God take care of us. That we have already been set right with God. And so our hope is that God will continue to do that. I mean, hope in this case means the thing we're aiming at. It doesn't mean something maybe or maybe we don't know. He's saying that's what we're, that's what we're living like. We're leaning our life against the righteousness that we have by faith through the Spirit. So he says that's what we're doing. And so he says, uh, trust Jesus and listen to the Spirit. God has given you the Spirit, listen to the Spirit. And then finally he says this, being circumcised or not being circumcised doesn't matter in Christ Jesus, but faith working through love does matter. And as I mentioned to the children, this is the new sign, that the sign is no longer exclusive to a particular people. It's no longer a circumcision. It is now faith working through love. This is the sign of the church. God's people are characterized by faith, working through love, Jesus says, "By this they will know you are my disciples, that you love one another." Paul says, "This is our sign." So, what do we do with this? Well, don't get circumcised. So that's that's an easy one. Don't get circumcised. But but what do we do with this? Right? There's a book. There's a book by a, a man named uh, Tully and Shavidian. He wrote it about uh, twelve years ago. And it's called, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. This is an incredibly hard thing to believe, right? You want to add that one little thing, you know. You left out the salt. Let me just add a little bit of salt, you know. Then it'll be perfect. And Tullian says, no, it's perfect if you add nothing. And really, the reverse is also true. Jesus plus anything, including Jesus plus circumcision, is nothing. Nothing. So Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The, the, the church, what God is doing in Christ is bringing humanity together so that they can spend eternity with Him. This is God's intention. And it doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your, what your race is. It doesn't matter uh, what your language or the way you behave or the things you say the way you look at things, it doesn't matter if you're a conservative or a Democrat or a Republican or whatever other categories there are. None of that stuff matters. What matters is faith working through love. So what should you do? Well, you and I should wait. God doesn't need our help, so we should just wait. That's what we should do. But collectively, as the church, what we should do is demonstrate that faith working through love. As a spirit filled community of God, we can demonstrate God's love and show people that the thing that guarantees that God will take care of us is not what we do. It's not the, the ethnicity we're part of, but the cross, the scandalous cross that is the guarantee of what God will do for us. And the Spirit testifies to the truth of that. So don't do anything. Now, what if there's something you'd really like to do better? Paul's going to talk about that next time. So not not next time for us, but when we pick up in two weeks. So there is help, but... Don't try. Don't try to add something to what Jesus is doing. So, let's pray. God, it is hard for us to trust. I mean, you know this. This is the problem that has plagued humanity since the garden. So, Lord, we pray that you would work in us to help us to trust you. Give us opportunities over and over again to trust you so that with great practice, we can get better at trusting you. Lord, help us to believe that what Jesus has done is sufficient and there's nothing we need to do to to be loved by you and to be helped by you. And let us show that to the world, not, not because of uh, the way we look or the parts of our body that are configured in different ways, Help us to show the world by the way we love one another. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.